Hey everyone, thanks for listening. I wanted to say right up front that these first couple episodes are purely optional. If you don't care about character creation mechanics or how we generated the setting, you can go ahead and skip these first two episodes. Episode 0 splash splash boom has a solid recap of the decisions we make in these first two episodes, and we begin playing a short session to get our feet wet. The main story starts in episode 1, Snortin' Scorpions, so either of those two episodes are equally good jumping off points. If you keep listening to this episode, you'll really get to follow along the whole journey of us starting from step zero. I love listening to that kind of stuff, so I hope some of y'all will too. See you on the other side of the intro music. Love you, bye! Welcome to Oops All Apocalypse, a show where we explore the collapse of society by playing a fun tabletop role-playing game. I am your host and master ceremonies, Stu Masterson. And I am Brady McDonough. And I am Jacob Cecil. We're here to play Apocalypse World, a game that kind of spawned the Powered by the Apocalypse craze that has taken over every single genre possible. Uh, this is the original focused on a post-apocalyptic society. Um, we have a collection of various tabletop role-playing games experience represented at this virtual table. I've deemed Apocalypse World, Monster of the Week. Um, a lot of I've backed basically every Kickstarter of anyone making any Powered by the Apocalypse game. Um, and I also have an extensive history DMing and playing in Dungeons and Dragons, Pathfinder, all the good regular ones, and and also uh, World of Darkness games, Vampire Masquerade, Chronicles of Darkness. Um, big fan of all those DMing and playing. Um, but my favorite is coming back to Apocalypse World. Uh, let's throw it to Jacob. All right, so I just uh, making me look a little bad here. I've got a good bit of RPG experience. I started with Pathfinder. Uh, started that probably mid high school. Played that almost exclusively through college. Uh, got introduced to D and D Fifth Edition after I graduated. That kind of started me into a deep dive where I just went into a lot of different RPG systems. Some like Lancer, uh, Demon, The Descent, Vampire. Uh, you've also uh, played in my played, Monster of the Week game, which is probably your favorite thing you've done. Uh, to be <laughs> honest, it's up there. It's definitely up there. I very much enjoy that. And um, Jacob is also an excellent DM. I know a lot of people who he's their favorite DM. Very good at doing nice, creepy things. To give you more credit, you've DM'd uh, a little bit of that one game that I played in. What one game did you play in? That you started right before you moved. Oh, gosh, God. Uh, yeah, that's another system I really like. Uh, Tales from the Loop. Tales from the Loop, I love it. It's my favorite Stranger Things style game for all people interested in that. I've also backed almost every single thing on Kickstarter, and I've played literally none of them. Okay, and Brady, what is your tabletop role-playing game experience? I've played D&D like eight times. I love it. And I've never contributed to a single Kickstarter campaign. That's how he knows he doesn't deserve to be in this podcast. You are much stronger than all of us, being able to avoid <laughs> the allure of Kickstarter. I'm weak. I'm but weak. I do, I, I, I'm, I, I've subscribed to many Patreons, so they've got me, just not, just not in the role-playing game category. Uh, but Brady also, me and Brady play fun improv games all the time. That's the only thing we do. I'm very confident, despite his extremely limited experience, is going to contribute greatly to this. 
I'm no a storyteller, Stu. Just not in the way that you are. <laughs> That's deep. Apocalypse World in particular is focused on scarcity. It's a, obviously a post-apocalyptic society. You're trying to get by. You're trying to thrive in your own way. There is just not enough there. So what we're doing is exploring those difficulties each of our characters are going to have. There's also crazy fun excitement and violence and all sorts of things like that that you'd see in a movie like Mad Max or Book of Eli or you guys got any other apocalyptic movies to throw out there? No. Those are the two. <laughs> the two. <laughs> Book of Eli. On the spot, I can't think of any apocalyptic movies. That's it. Mad Max and older Mad Max movies. No, we've got we've got um, the, the Blade Runners and the... Um, Oh, is Blade Runner? It's, I, you, I guess that kind of cyberpunk, you got to kind of figure out, was that post-apocalyptic? I, I mean, technically, it's pretty dystopian. That's fair, but, but I, I think... That opens up a lot of uh, words here. When you think about scarcity, or maybe scarcity of work, and that's why they made the clone people that do all, this, the, all the work. Hey, I don't know. Hey. Yeah, the biggest one is probably Wally, which is scarcity of. Um, That's oh a good point. God, how did I not remember Wally? Um, so yeah, we're going to be doing a Wally live play where each of us is playing a different type of Wally. Um, I think there's a Wally and a Wall B. Yes. <laughs> so what we're doing today is a session zero. Uh, this is basically figuring out our characters, our setting, uh, what we want to play through in all of the other sessions we're doing. So if that is not interesting to you in any way and you don't care about rules and you just want it right, then you can go and skip to a future episode where we actually kind of kick off and start playing. Honestly, a lot of the fun of the Apocalypse World style games is the character generation, which is not something yeah, you before can, you skip, yeah, which is not something you can say about most RPGs. It's not the boring stuff where you like crunch numbers and stuff. It's actually you kind of role play in the character creation. And we're also... Uh, spoiler, going to play another fun game to help build the setting, Dekuma, which I will talk about when we get to that section. Uh, we're playing a particular release of Apocalypse World called Burned Over. Um, it basically is a reworking of a lot of the main uh, character archetypes defined in Apocalypse World and streamlines some of the rules and kind of takes out some of the more mature elements defined in uh, Apocalypse World 1st and 2nd edition. So the first thing we have to do is choose our Apocalypse uh, this is done through selecting what hard zone is in play when we start. This can change as play goes on, um, if any major events occur, but this is basically the flavor of, of apocalypse that you're dealing with. So as we mentioned with our dozens of examples of apocalyptic movies we mentioned, I believe, we have at least so many. 30. Yes, at least 30. I'll cut out most of them except Wally and Book of Eli just to streamline the process. They're the best ones after all. And I, I listed at least half of them, but they were so obscure that yeah, we Brady just didn't, is much more knowledgeable about apocalyptic movies than us, apparently. We just didn't think that you guys would get them. They're a little underground. You probably haven't heard of them. Oh, uh, wait. Planet of the Apes. Planet of the Apes. <laughs> That's a real good one. We could all be monkeys. That could be our apocalypse we choose right now. Sorry. Was that offensive? Monkeys aren't apes. <laughs> I don't I don't think they know the difference. I think in the wow. movie they actually have them interchangeable. I think there's like okay. chimps and gorillas. That's I think true. They also yeah. have like the little capuchin monkey, I think is the scientist. Is this in wrong. the original uh, movies? Or are you talking yeah. about the remake? That's a great question. I don't know. 
All I know is that of the originals, the fourth one is the best. Is that the one where they don't ask up, me what it's called? Yes. Is that the one where they blow up the world? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> With the monkeys on it? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, there's, grim. there's the, the, so what you find is there's like the top of the ground monkeys who look like normal monkeys. And then there's the core of the earth monkeys that are all like radiated and look scary and spooky. That and is they blow up. so relevant. I'm going to interrupt <laughs> your relevancy right now with what we're doing because one of the potential hard zones, and I know from us talking, it's probably our favorite is the bottomless vaults which is an apocalyptic world that is all beneath the surface of the world, just like those monkeys in Planet of the Apes 4. <laughs> so this is clearly a front runner, as we could all play our favorite monkey characters from those mm-hmm. games. I believe Curious George was in it. With, with, with all the associated uh, physical dif- disformities. Yes, of Curious George, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Basically, what these different hard zones you choose from or you create your own, they give you kind of the flavor of your of your apocalypse. And they also give you some set locations that you can easily add into your world that are honestly all incredibly interesting and makes it very difficult to choose. When I started, I definitely was leaning more towards choosing a more traditional apocalypse, which is what they call the scorched wastes, which is just a world that was blown up. But there are also a lot of very exciting ones. There's a fully overgrown world where plants just run wild. Um, I think that was one of your favorites, Jacob. Yeah, right? I, lo- I just like love the idea of like a jungle ocean, just like trees so dense that you're like on the tops of them in like an ocean like setting. Except it's plants and trees. I just think that's cool. Yeah. I think it's interesting and underexplored. But I think I think we decided that was too visually interesting for a podcast. <laughs> yeah that's that that's true. very true that's actually yeah that is very true you don't have a lot of faith in my descriptive ability i see that's correct um another another uh top choice we had was the drowned city which is a completely flooded world basically where just the tops of skyscrapers poke over the ocean and that one seemed incredibly fitting because i have an ocean engineering degree which is a real thing don't at me and if I remember correctly, I believe Brady went to fish school. I did. I did go to fish school. Really? Okay. Yes. And Brady went to I fish school. I will not school. elaborate. <laughs> no, it's Gosh. called the, uh, the Marine. I'm actually wearing, I'm wearing my high school sweatshirt right now. Gosh, you guys are so much cooler than I am. Um, so that one is definitely very interesting. Uh, and especially the specific locations they pulled out. There's an island that was once a university library, probably the fish school Brady went to where on the uppermost stories, the book survived. Um, There's the sea road where traders and refugees come from far away from distant sunken cities or even from dry land, which can't even imagine there being dry land in this apocalypse. Don't get excited. We're not doing this one. We are doing the bottomless vaults, which, as we mentioned before, is based on Planet of the Apes 4. It actually says that in the playbook here. Yeah, it's in 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 the text. It says based on Planet of the Apes 4, Come up with your own monkey-based locations. Um, now, there are some very interesting locations in here uh, that we will talk about in depth as we go through kind of our setting creation coming up shortly. The short version of it is all of it is deep underground beneath the surface of the earth. It gives us a much more creepy, spoopy vibe, which I normally lean to anyway when I'm running a game. I was very excited for this to be different and more 
action-packed and burnt and in the sun, but we somehow ended up back <laughs> where I'm comfortable. Also, where Jacob is very comfortable. Jacob loves spoopy, scary, creepy I things love, with too many arms. I love Lovecraftian shit. I love dark, dingy, crawling to the bottom of an unknown void kind of thing. Yeah, that's going to come up a lot. And this is most importantly, the dankest apocalypse of these options. So in Apocalypse World, the characters, which we are going to construct live action in this recording, are all defined through playbooks. So playbooks are kind of analogous to classes and other RPGs, where it's what gives you kind of your stats and the different things you can do. Um, but in PBTA games, they are all tied heavily to archetypes. So the types of characters you would see come up in the media that the game is built on. So in this case, in apocalyptic uh, media, you would see particular archetypes. So there's like the character who is the biggest badass. There's the creepy cult leader. Um, there's the person who's running the only working bar in 100 miles. Um, and you can play these characters. And when you play them, uh, an important thing to remember is that you are now the epitome of that archetype. Whatever choices you make with your character is basically the truth for the setting. So I gave a few examples, but none of those overlapped with what Brady and Jacob are choosing. Uh, would you like to describe your playbook first, Brady? The playbook that I've selected is the Bloodhound. Uh, the description follows here in the ashes of the burned world. Strange things dwell, strange forces move. What seems solid, real is illusion. What seems impossible must be true. Any whose mind delights with curiosity must see that it's so. Uh, so this character that I'll be playing is a sleuth, uh, a mystery solver, much like Sherlock Holmes or Columbo, or uh, more recently, uh, Benoit Blanc from the um, Knives Out mystery. Love that dude and his glass onions. It's a good time. I haven't seen it yet. I yeah, saw it. It's it was either of them. Oh, Knives Out. You would love Knives Out. They were both quite good. And I hope that my character uh, follows suit. I will literally quit right now if you do the accent now. <laughs> Which accent? Oh, no. Does he have two accents? Well, I just his... I listed like three different characters that all have different oh, accents. Because I could do the Columbo about... accent. I was about to say, I would love if you did Columbo this whole podcast. But I, I could also do that Southern drawl. Oh, God. <laughs> Please don't. You're in Alabama too long. Or not, or not long enough. So this is like the person trying to tie together a bunch of different mysteries and figure out what's going on. They, they have like a really cool mechanic about they have kind of a series of mysteries that they either believe or don't believe. And we'll go into detail on what these are through actual character creation. But their whole thing is trying to get to the bottom of these mysteries. And I would say you didn't hit on the kind of a little bit crazy connecting ideas with strings part as much is that going to be a part of your character i'm going full pepe sylvia okay full pepe sylvia <laughs> with this okay no pepe sylvia i was really hoping that would be your answer so i'm glad it is uh jacob is playing a very different character uh probably maybe we right. actually don't know would you That's like to describe to say, your yeah. playbook my character is called no one and I guess uh, since Brady started, I will read what he has to say here. The sun is the killing eye and the wind is the grindstone. Creatures fetch up in the lay of things in the shade, scorched and scoured. They are no one anymore. They are from the worst of nowheres. Where are you going? They say. Away from the sun, out of the wind? Am I here? 
the no one is no one. I get to kind of, as we play the game, create my own backstory. So uh, I didn't have very many ideas for what I wanted to play. And this character feeds into that. Uh, every session, he has the ability to have a flashback. Kind of, it's either uh, based on how I roll at the start. I can either control when I have the flashback or Stu can interrupt anything I am doing and give me a flashback to something that has triggered a memory of my past. Yeah, it's very exciting because there is in your past something that caused kind of this creation of your new personality, your new ideas, your there's something that caused you forgetting your previous life. And I don't know it. You don't don't know it it for sure. Yeah. (laughs) And we're going to come up with it as we play. So like, if you ever hear me dropping hints or describing visions in some ways, it's not because I have written down on some paper. Oh, here's his past. It's shit I'm coming up with. And all of that will eventually tie together into something hopefully very satisfying (laughs) for what your backstory is. And the fact that he can interrupt me at any point during the session, slap one of those visions in, I imagine will probably be at the most inconvenient times and probably feed into whatever is going on. So almost certainly it's cool. You do get some control over your visions, which I think, again, we'll go into this in a little more detail. But uh, you get to basically tell me a rough outline from a list of things that you see in your vision and then I get to turn that into however I interpret that line at that moment and trying to tie it into either other visions he's had or the current things going on in the story. Um, So you have a little bit of control. If you decide you want to go in some particular direction, you can start pushing it there. And of course I will always push back in some way because that's a little bit of my job is to throw you off balance. But uh, yeah, I'm very excited about that character. Me, I'm playing every other character that you guys will interact with in some way. Um, Hopefully dozens of them. My job here though isn't, it's to make your lives, your characters' lives, not your players' lives. Your characters' lives difficult and exciting and full of action and dangerous but one of the key tenets of Apocalypse World is that I'm always going to be a fan of your players. I want you guys to do cool things and succeed. I just want them to be exciting in the way it happens and that's why I throw this danger at you. Uh, So now we're going to go through the character creation process. Um, So what each of you are going to do, it's in this system, it's laid out very straightforward. There is a page on your playbook that basically step by step walks through what you need to select. Let's start with Brady playing a bloodhound. So I know you've already figured out your name. Would you like to give your name? Sure. My name is Book McCready. Book for short. First name book, last name McCready. Uh, my pronouns are he, him. And um, that's really all I have so far. All of these playbooks have uh, some starting moves you can select from. They're, they give flavor to how your character acts in certain situations. And a lot of times they're going to be tied to particular die rolls. Um, but these are the things that basically separate what you can do from what everyone else can do. Everyone has access to a series of basic moves that I'll go over um, a little bit later. And then there are also some standard moves related to like vehicles and things like that, that anyone can also do. But the moves given to you by your playbook are unique to your archetype and let you do things no one else can do. So the Bloodhound gets to start by selecting one Bloodhound move in addition to interrogating reality. Do you wanna read off what interrogating reality does? Absolutely. At the end of the session, choose one of your mysteries. 
Tell the MC that you'd like to market true or false. They must choose one of these answers. Go ahead and market true. Go ahead and market false. Or for now, you'd better not market either way. They can also allow you to choose another mystery and ask again if they like. Mysteries are a key component of this character. So we'll spend some time uh, talking about those. But this is how you start kind of figuring out that truth in the world through all the stuff you're piecing together. Um, ideally, the mysteries you start asking about are things that are coming up in the story, right? So you're going to have a whole list of things to choose from. And technically, according to this movie, you can ask whichever one you want, but that's when you might get in a case where I say you better not market either way. If it's related to something you've been going after, you've been exploring, you've been trying to connect some dots, uh, that's when I'm going to be able to tell you the absolute truth of that. In addition to that, you can select one more Bloodhound move when you create your character. Is there one that has jumped out to you? It seems exciting and fun. So here's the deal. I think for my character, I'd really like to go for a Hercule Poirot vibe where we're not necessarily, you know, we haven't studied all 86 different varieties of uh, tobacco, but we are really good at reading people. And so there's two that kind of jump out to me for that. And there's uh, stern presence and compassionate presence. And I think for my character, I'm going to choose compassionate presence, which uh, will compel uh, NPCs when we meet in private to share things that they are ashamed of or that they're holding on to, if I ask. So there's a couple very keywords in that. One is in private, oh. right? So that's very different than stern presence, which I'm also going to read out here to compare it. But so stern presence is when you enter a situation, roll plus hard, and that will let you know if there are people who have intentionally lied to you, betrayed your trust, or intentionally sown confusion, um, or if there's anyone that needs your help, which is also a beneficial thing. Um, but that is basically when you enter a situation, you come into a room or you come into a tense um, scenario you'd be able to learn those things. But what it sounds like you're leaning towards is when you're able to pull off someone in private. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to bring them back to your room or around the corner into the alleyway. That can be in a bar, you go to the corner and you're talking to them. You're able to make this role and potentially get more information from them. I like it. I think it's a good choice. And says a lot for your character, choosing compassionate over stern. In Apocalypse World, you have a different array of stats you can choose from. Most playbooks, which we're throwing to the wind because we have someone playing a very odd playbook. But in most playbooks, there's kind of a main stat that they are particularly good at. So as a bloodhound, that is sharp for you. So you are smarter than most people. Um, you also get to choose what other things you're pretty good at or what things you're bad at. And that's based on a pre-selected set of your stats in an, in an array. Um, is there one that you have chosen or one that jumps out to you? So originally I was hoping to be um, plus one weird because I think that would yeah, introduce some very fun and cool situations. But based off of the, the move that I just selected, um, I think cool might serve me the best. Yeah, so you have an option there that gives you plus two cool as well as plus two sharp, which is pretty powerful. Um, but then you are also minus one aggro. Yeah. You're, you're also plus zero weird, which means you're just normal weird, which in the apocalypse is still pretty weird, honestly, but plus zero weird. But then you have minus one to both aggro and hard, which means fighting is not your thing. Picking fights is not your thing. Threatening people is not your thing. 
um, which is fine. Uh, cool is a very important stat, actually. It comes up a lot. One of the kind of generic basic moves is act under pressure, and that is plus cool. So if something is happening to you and you need to be able to succeed on something under an intense scrutiny or under an intense situation, you're going to act under pressure. And fighting anyway, when you do do battle, I said do do. When you do battle, you are usually going to be rolling cool as well because you are going to both be attacking someone and acting under fire at the same time. So it is still beneficial to have plus cool in those situations. Yeah, I think that handicap might actually uh, lead to some some really fun encounters as well. So I'm going to go that route. I'm going to go uh, aggro minus one, cool plus two, hard minus one, sharp plus two, and weird zero. Um, unique to your playbook is you have no weapon. That's nice. You'll be able to find stuff to hit people with and things like that. But to start with, you have no distinct weapon. Some of the other classes can get things as crazy as rocket launchers and grenades and tripwires and bear traps. But you get nothing because you're all about that mental game. Uh, you get a few options with your gear. Would you like to go through those? Uh, your gear is technically probably the most complicated because mysteries are part of your gear. Hmm. That sounds exciting to me. There's one mystery that I that I know that I want, and that is that my character uh, was told and, and firmly believes that the uh, the surface of the planet is completely fine, totally livable. For that reason, he he wants to find out why we're underground. Yeah, that is a mystery you're able to select from a pretty large list of mysteries, um, filling out any that you care about. Uh, you can ignore ones you don't care about. Um, and then uh, you can also create up to three of your own. So that one is one that you're creating yourself, right? Yep. So that that one that I just wrote down is the surface world is fine. <laughs> I like it. And you believe it, obviously. Definitely. We'll see if that's yeah. true or not. For each mystery, you get to choose either I believe or I don't believe. And then eventually you will learn if it is true or false. Or you die before. So then. should we go down and 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 uh, should I pick whether I believe or don't believe each one of these? Uh, you can do as many as you want. Some may not be relevant to you, or you don't care. Okay. Um, but you get to, and you can do it at any time. Got it. You can wait till something like that comes up, and then decide if you want to believe or don't believe it. So I would say if you are unsure about any of them, I would just leave them blank for now. Um, but if there are any that you want to play into, um, I would go ahead and make a choice for it okay the the one that jumps out at me is uh they burn the world on purpose out of vast spite and malice and i'm gonna say that's sort of related to the the mystery that i chose and that I, th I think my character believes that we were that we were tricked to go below ground i like that i think that fits very well with your other mystery so you're going to you do believe yes. that in yeah. some way you believe they intentionally drove people underground um Excellent. I like it because in my mind, so this is kind of a two tiered apocalypse and obviously feedback from you guys is definitely appreciated. I've just kind of thought of this while going through this process. But so there are these like vast cities and things underground right now in the world you're living in, but they are also dilapidated, collapsing. People aren't living in these vast cities. It's a spread out society, everyone trying to survive. So hmm. something made there be fully intact cities underground was, at some point that worked, I was right? just about to say that implies the existence of these cities in a functional state. Yeah. So at some point, either there were functional underground cities for some reason, or 
the entire earth was encased in <laughs> an extra <laughs> layer of crust. Which, which is honestly also a pretty cool idea. Yeah, both are cool <laughs> ideas. Again, like I'm saying, I don't have an answer for these yet. We're going to come up with answers as we play. But that implies that there could be two apocalypses that kind of led to the situation. Maybe something that pulled people underground or maybe they just liked it down there. I don't know. And then something that caused these underground societies to collapse either violently or over time. We don't know yet. We don't know. I like it, Brady. Um, you don't have to go through every mystery you choose right now. If they ever become relevant um, in some discussion we're having, I think it would be interesting for you to go. Yeah, we can crack those open. Oh, yeah. I definitely believe this one. Time travel is possible. <laughs> right when right when Jacob's character dies and that's the only way you can get him right. back. You go, I believe time travel is we possible. We got to go back. We have to go back. We're going we're gonna to retcon and say time travel is possible. <laughs> Um, This may tie in a little bit to your first impression, which we're saving for the end. But do you have any gear that you would like to detail? So your gear options or the the things you have as gear are your mysteries, which we've talked about. Clothing you detail, including at your option, a piece worth one armor. So one armor is pretty weak, but that basically means any attack that would damage you and the armor you detail would be effective against you'll be able to reduce that damage by one. I added a lot of qualifiers there, but usually you'll be able to reduce the damage by one. Say you have a flak jacket on. If someone comes up and tries to stab you in the neck, that flak jacket's not doing anything. I'm going to say your armor is not effective. There are also some weapons that deal armor piercing or ignore armor um, type things. You basically get to look what you look like. Okay, so uh, definitely wearing like a long coat and some kind of chunky leather boots. Um, but beyond that, like maybe just some t-shirt and, and, and some normal pants, whatever you would wear below ground, I would say. Um, but yeah, it's a pretty consistent temperature down here most of the time, but it's, it's a little, little chilly. Okay. A little chilly. Definitely. Write that down. Underground is chilly. We've got it. Um, and then Stu, can I, am I allowed to bend the rules a little bit? And, um, Always, literally and I, always. I think that my piece worth one armor should be a cane. And I think that that cane should be used uh, defensively when, when, when needed. O- only at, at most, utmost need, but just... Uh, yeah, no, I like it. And I will say that will be fairly useless against bullets. Yeah, I think that's fine. But, but yeah, in a kind of hand-to-hand situation, that could absolutely be worth one armor. I like it. Very stylish. And then, you know, if you if you try to sweep the leg, I've got the cane. Oh, yeah. Can't sweep a cane. That's what my mom always taught me. So those are your main things to select from. You've chosen your gear. You've selected your stat array and got your starting moves. So let's move over to Jacob. All right. Who is creating a no one, which is either going to be way easier or way more complicated. I don't know. It could be both. So the only real initially I had kind of picked a completely different playbook for my initial idea for the character, but I think this one sounded more interesting and that's why I picked it. But the only concrete thing that I know about this character prior to going into the character creation here is that they are obsessed with going deeper underground. Why? I don't know. And I think that'll play very interestingly with Brady's character. Yeah, who pretty much wants the opposite. Not necessarily to escape, but definitely wants to figure to confirm his suspicions that the above ground is great and probably eventually get people up there, right? Absolutely. I want I want a pina colada on the beach ASAP. Yeah. And you (laughs) cannot have those underground. 
Williams. No pina coladas. Okay, so as a no one, I think even before we go into all the things on this character sheet, and you can tell me to hold off, you're still trying to figure it out based on what you do. But I think an important aspect, since you have forgotten your history, is how long ago do you think that was? Do you think it was right before we're coming into action? Or do you think you've had a few months, like even a couple of years? All that still would make sense. I think it's been a while. I think it's been at least a couple of years. Because how I envision this character is that they kind of have a, a little role in their little community, their little post-apocalyptic underground community as somebody who like scavenges things from underground that seem useful for the community and brings them back to everyone. And I, uh, I, I imagine that in order to have something like that built up, they must have lost their memories a long time ago. So I think it's been at least at least a couple of years since they lost I like it. Lost their memory. I think that that also gives some breathing room to have kind of a starting relationship with Brady's character, who from now on I will accurately call Book. Um, speaking of accurately calling you something, have you come up with the name yet? So I'm looking through the list of names, and uh, Ocean is calling me because it seems like something that you wouldn't see in an apocalypse. Uh, and also, it's gender neutral, so I don't have to decide my gender right now. I like it. Ocean is a really pretty name. If we didn't have those things here, like if we were underground, I would absolutely name someone Ocean. Yeah. Everyone's like, what the hell is that? Wouldn't you like to know? Sounds pretty. You are Ocean. We got Ocean and Book. So the no one is also unique. And like I mentioned previously, normally a particular playbook has one stat they are good in. Like Book is good at investigating. So all of his arrays he got to choose from are plus two sharp. The no one, you don't really know who you are or who you were. So you can pretty much choose any stat to make your main stat. Uh, the only one you cannot is cool because no, no one is that cool for some reason. No, um, not. it may may be useful to wait until you choose your moves to choose your stat array, unless you already have a good idea of that. I think I have a decent idea of what I would like to go to for my uh, stats. OK, let's hear it. So I don't imagine this character is a very aggressive individual. I imagine they're kind of complacent with whatever situation they're in right now. It's kind of empty-ish. So I don't think they're very aggressive. So uh, first one, the first stat spread, uh, it kind of balances out with what Brady picks, but I think that's boring. So uh, I ended up going with the second spread listed here, which is aggro minus one, cool plus one, hard plus two, sharp zero, and weird plus one. I think that all fits for the vision I have, which is somebody who's very stoic and calm and uh, doesn't really uh, push the buttons very much and is uh, unsure of where they are in this society. We will not be winning any fights. Yeah, that is true. No, uh, so he is, so Ocean is very, he's got plus two hard, so he can, he can dish it out if he needs to, but he's not very aggressive. He's not good at threatening situations, things like that. You have selected an array that is very strong and hard and then pretty good at everything else except being aggressive. Uh, I really like that combination because normally people who would want to be very aggressive would want to have a very high hard, but you're kind of playing a different type of character who doesn't want to be aggressive, avoids those situations. It probably has implications on whatever their backstory is and why they're so tough. Yeah. 
Were, were you maybe too aggressive before and you're pushing back against that? Or maybe. were you just in a lot of really bad situations and had to toughen up? <laughs> We've got a strong silent type and and a, a weakling. <laughs> On top of that, you also get to choose two no one moves, um, but you also, all no ones, start with the visions move. Would you like to explain that? Yes, the visions move is the reason I picked this playbook because it sounded so cool when I read it. So basically, at the start of the session, I make a roll, and based on the results of that roll, I essentially give Stu hold, which is kind of like a point system kind of thing. Um, if I roll really well, I only give him one hold. If I give roll really poorly, I give him a lot more hold. At any point in the session, uh, Stu can spend one of those holds to interrupt me and give me a vision. He can use one to either tell me that the next transitional phase of the game, I'll have a vision. And then I can describe uh, who I was with and see where I was during that vision. Uh, But he can spend two hold to screw me over entirely and interrupt any action I'm doing and telling me a vision comes right now. And this one doesn't specify the whole uh where i am and where who i'm with so i think at that point he can be anything you could be dangling over a volcano holding on to a helicopter and i can make you have a vision yeah so uh any point it could be a very critical scene and i is like oh triggers flashback and i could essentially be comatose while i remember that for a few seconds and brady's like wake up snap out of it what's going on hitting them with a cane um do you want to since that's kind of your vision move uh do you want to talk about visions a little bit so whenever I have a vision, I can t- essentially have a list of two things. I have a list of places and a list of people. Uh, when Stu gives me a vision, he asks me to pick basically one from each of these lists. He can, uh, he, I pick either one place and one person. And uh, it's a long list of them here. For example, for places, it's like a labyrinth uh, underground chamber uh, a place where stars are visible uh, with impossible clarity, uh, a pile of corpses, uh, a place of human compassion, whatever that means. Uh, for people, it's things like someone, a person I loved, uh, who I wish to see again, and then a person who I loved, who uh, my faith was misplaced, or someone indolent, or, or a person of impeccable cruelty. These are really fun because you may not know who these people are when you're having the vision. And I almost certainly won't know who these people are when you're having the vision. But as you have more and more visions, there may be some continuity between them or there may not be. And you have to connect some dots. But it's a lot of very interesting things. Basically, from the MC perspective to peel back what's going to happen here is I'm going to have to just immediately act on whatever place and person he says this, whatever description he has. And I'm going to try to throw that together in some interesting, probably upsetting way. (laughs) Probably nothing good. Yeah, probably not good um, for most of these, at least. Um, But uh, from that, we're going to start learning about his backstory. And also through some of your later improvements, you start kind of getting little hints of your past based on some things you find, which will actually talk about when they come up and play i think would be more interesting than going yeah, through it right they're now not, because they're kind of crunchy right now yep okay so that's the move you start with visions no matter what 
you also get to select two from this list. Um, the ones you can choose from are Dirty Fighter, which basically means you hurt people more, On Fortune's Tides, which means you have psychically good luck. Um, you have Ongoing Revelation, which means each time you have a vision, you get more experience, and you had have and you have Road Refugee, which means you get a car. It's not a super good car, but you get a car. I am definitely picking the one that gives me a car because that one sounds awesome. Uh, initially, I was going to pick Dirty Fire because it seemed pretty fitting uh, that uh, I don't get in a lot of fights, but when I do, I fight pretty hard. But I really also like this Fortune Tide one that uh, with the psychic good luck, considering I have plus one weird. I think that's an interesting choice, too. I think I'm going to pick on Fortune's Tide because I like the implications of having no memory and having suddenly awoken some kind of strange psychic connection. I think that's that's the one I'm leaning towards the most because one, metagaming-wise, it seems a little bit more useful than just getting one plus one harm because there's other playbooks that give you that ability or something very similar. This one seems a lot more niche and specific to this class and not something I can easily replace. So metagaming-wise, it sounds a little bit more interesting, but purely from a character standpoint, I like the idea of having no memory, but suddenly having weird powers. It's very cliche. but So I just to be clear, I guess, so you get two. You get to pick two? So, so we definitely get the car? We're definitely getting that damn car, baby. Okay, great, because I hate no, walking. We, we get in a car. It's not really a car. Yeah, what? that's uh, like, it, we're gonna have to talk vehicle. about this. We're gonna have to talk <laughs> about this for a while. So we're underground, very deep. We're about to get more into the actual setting and kind of what this underground apocalypse looks like in any way. But I would let you have a normal car. There are massive tunnels that connect kind of different areas or different little pieces of society that cars can definitely travel in. But that also doesn't super fit your concept you've talked about yet, where you're really trying to get further, deeper underground. You're not you're collecting a lot of things, but your main job isn't delivering them to other places. Right. You are collecting them for the good of your society or your little encampment, whatever we come up with and to figure out more things. Yep. So you basically get the worst car you could have in the game. It's guaranteed poor looks. <laughs> this thing can't look good. That doesn't mean it can't look interesting. And it can't. It doesn't mean I won't like how it looks because I almost certainly will. Um, but it also gets two weaknesses and one strength. Um, before we even get into those specific weaknesses or strengths, do you have an idea of what this would be? What type of vehicle would let you kind of traverse underground or spelunk? There's also water here. Could be water related. So we... we uh kind of lift in the veil a little bit. We talked about this a little bit prior to the podcast. And one of Stu's ideas was like a little machine that had little uh, little hooks that basically would shoot into the, the walls and could kind of like lift itself up so it could like descend into tunnels and like achieve itself from tunnels. And I really liked that idea. So like a very, I visualize it as a very slow Spider-Man type web slinging where you basically yes. have this I was picturing picturing a pretty massive vehicle that just cranks along these cables that are shot out and connected into walls, probably always having like three points of contact and just like <laughs> moving along. Yeah, I was I was thinking either something like that or like almost like a three wheeling bike looking thing that like has that little things that shoots out, whatever the technical term for that is. 
things that shoot out. I will say, I will let you have ignoring two weaknesses, one strength, whatever you're about to choose. I will let whatever vehicle you're choosing right here also at least be able to traverse normal roads in some way. Yeah. Maybe not at full not car speeds. Well. Yeah. Right, but, but I'll let you, if you got to travel long distance, you two can hop in this bad boy and cruise along. The only thing I was going to ask is, do you want a vehicle that has mining equipment on it so that you'd be able to burrow deeper without having to find a, you know, a crevasse? Oh, I think so. Well, I guess that kind of climbs into the lore of this world a little bit here. How is it mostly like accessed? Are these tunnels that are like long swathes of tunnels that have been completely unexplored? Uh, Is it like a cave system? Uh, How do you picture it? I think we're going to be able to find any of those situations underground in this apocalypse. But at least the way I've been picturing it now is more of just these labyrinthian temp, uh, tunnels and massive chambers that people certainly have not been able to explore entirely. They're yeah, just that's... from the sense of one dangerous because there's lots of very dangerous things here that you'll find. But also there's just not a lot of people. So there's no way society could re-explore this entire world in any reasonable amount of time. But drilling through something will get you somewhere, right? Yeah, exactly. But no, I do view it like there's obviously going to be a lot of claustrophobic moments, but I've never viewed it as a particularly cramped, enclosed society. I've always kind of had these pictures of these massive caverns and these winding tunnels, but not like, oh, we're stuck in this mine. Let's figure out a way to get out. Not saying we won't get stuck in a mine at some point. Oh, right? you'll get stuck in a mine. Yeah. Probably like a uranium mine, though. Not like a fun mithril mine, like a good dwarf. Damn. I was about to say, I think in that case, yeah, I'm going to go. I think it'll be a car frame. Like a bit. Imagine like a buggy. Yeah. Like buggy size. So a little spot in the back that it can fit some belongings. Maybe can fit two people. But that goes with the first weakness, which I'm picking, which is cramped. So it's not a comfortable thing at all. It's a, it's a, we could both ride it, but we're not going to have a great time being stuck in there. Your, your knees will touch a little bit, right? Yeah, exactly. What is the second weakness? I think for the second weakness, I'm going to pick sloppy. Sloppy. That's a fun one. So when you picture sloppy, paint me a word picture of sloppy. I'm picturing this thing as a hunk of junk that's held together piecemeal with like scraps that I've like scrounged up and kind of like modded myself but i'm not very good at it so it's kind of falling apart and i constantly have to like fix it yeah i'm picturing like you it can do these very cool different things it can drive on ground with its wheels or it can be kind of cranked along but the mechanism between like switching the engine between turn wheels (laughs) and crank is just like some haphazard lever you gotta jangle through a series of gears like there's there's five different pedals and three of them are a clutch (laughs) (laughs) yeah something like that i like it okay i like sloppy and i also really like that you started with your weaknesses that says a lot about you as a person Oh, I think that's what makes it more fun. Yeah, those are the fun ones. I really appreciate it. And then you get one single strength. What's this thing good at? I think this thing is... Oh, there's two I'm leaning towards. I'm leaning towards... Uh, I'm going to go with rugged. Rugged. 
I Rugged. that seems incredibly fitting. What was the other one? Just curious what uh, you were thinking. Off road, but I'm realizing I don't know that necessarily applies. Yeah, but I don't imagine. There's- I, I'm yeah. I'm gonna give you off road for free. I'll say that one, especially yeah, since it can just- literally traverse the sky in a not very <laughs> effective way. You got yeah, off road, not very fast, but yeah, rugged fits. So it can probably this thing, like you said, is a hunk of junk. So it's got some random stuff welded all over it. And no one knows the important part to shoot to take it down. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're kind of pigeonholed into it looks poor, but I think we should yeah. take that as it looks scrapped together. It, besides yes. that, you can make it look as cool as you want. Um, <laughs> <laughs> poor and cool aren't opposites is what I would say. I agree with that. So you said it kind of has a buggy frame. So we got, you got wheels yeah. on it. Yep, three or four wheels. Some, yeah. Let's go three. I three, think wheels. three wheels would make it more easily climbing road climbing two in the front one in the back yeah we'll do that <laughs> okay um okay uh you're inside it's cramped what is yep. what does your vision look like what's your glass like i so you said this is a big rugged thing so i'm picturing like thick glass yeah thick I'm frame kind of like a bulldozer is what i'm imagining the uh the interior oh, beautiful like. so like you know most no real solid walls just like lots of uh like a uh like thick poles and beams. Nice. So you can, it's an obstructed view, but you got a good 360 view so you can navigate yeah. when it's in crank mode. Yep. And then it's got a little, imagine it's got like a little storage compartment in the back, kind of like a little, imagine it's kind of like a little pickup truck looking back. Uh, like a little El Camino or what's that Um, very ugly pickup truck with the tiny nut, nubby The cyber truck? Like a... Oh, yeah, <laughs> Cybertruck. But uh, I imagine that it doesn't have like a hood or something over that. It's like just got like a net that I hook on each side that keeps everything strapped down. Okay, I like that vehicle. Um, two more very important questions. This thing got a tape deck, CD player. You oh, got no. a, a, a Zune Velcro to the... <laughs> it's got whatever hunk of junk music it's, uh, it's found. So uh, I imagine it's got multiple different... It's got probably like... I like I love the idea of having an out of date Zoom that yes. uses to play some music, but also like a CD player, like a Walkman and, uh, wired up to something. Yes, yes, like nothing that's actually like wired into the machine, just like various MP3 slash CD player devices that I have welded into it to make it so that way I can at least listen to music. Beautiful. And then the final question, you got a name for this thing? You want to name this something? It's got a lot of character. I feel like we it's really your guys's third party member at this point. I don't want to name this thing. Let's go with Spider. 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 I like it. It is because it climbs it, walls. Yeah, it shoots webs. Goes across. I, I like the idea that my character really wants to know why it's called Spider, and I don't find out until we are <laughs> falling down a you know a ravine, and all of a sudden <laughs> shit just starts spewing out of it. Okay, that is my new favorite character, Spider. So thank you for creating him or her or them. As the no one, you got your visions. You got your cool vehicle you picked out. You got your psychic powers. You also get to get one scrounged weapon, which are some of my favorite choices for any playbook with number one with a bullet coming in as a brick. (laughs) I think I'm going to go with a shovel. I, I I was pretty sure you're going with shovel as much as I love brick. I think shovel fits your character so well. 
that you gotta go with shovel. The shovel is two harm hand range. So I do notice this says a broken rake or shovel. That could be taken as two ways. Is it a broken shovel? I think it's a functional shovel. You want a functional functional shovel? Okay. I feel like I don't. I don't think I would be carrying around a broken shovel. Yeah. Well, I guess where it breaks would depend, but yeah. Maybe it's like broken a little bit at the handles, and I've like duct taped it together a little bit. Yeah, I'll say that counts as a broken shovel. <laughs> okay. Um, now that you guys have kind of got some ideas for your characters, you can kind of think about like the type of dude who would want to be. Let's give some first impressions. They. This is basically how someone would think of you upon immediately laying eyes on you. And they give a recommended list in each of the playbooks, but you can obviously come up with your own or anything you like. For my first impression, I think I want to come across as kind and nitpicky. That's a good combo. Kind and nitpicky. So what do you think someone looking at you like? Obviously, you can have kind eyes. That's that's an easy one. What do you think someone sees from you and they think you're nitpicky? Are you like too well put together? No, I think I think that my character is like a real um, like he has no poker face. So when people kind of interact with him, they see like, you know, any any amount of a disapproving glance is very apparent. Ocean, the no one. What's the first impression when someone sees you? I'm lost, weary. And wide-eyed. I am picturing an adorable abandoned kitten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lost, weary, and wide-eyed. I like that combination <laughs> also. And that fits kind of not knowing what's going on with your life, but still being very inquisitive. Because I, I think it's very interesting that both of your characters are inquisitive in different ways. Like, you don't even know why you're inquisitive, but you want to yeah, discover more. What's under you there. want to go down. Why book? A lot of it is related to him trying to come up with truths and figure out, okay, why do I believe this? And is it actually and true? And how to get out of this godforsaken cave. We haven't even talked about how bad the cave is and you already went out. Okay, uh, there's a couple things more that are unique to your characters, but I think we're going to figure out kind of the history between you guys first um, before we decide what your living space is. Unless you want to just go ahead and decide now you want to live separately or together or anything like that anything jump out to you i feel like we live separately i was gonna say the same i just feel that maybe in the same society i think if anything ocean lives in his fucking car (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah let's move in that direction uh you guys can choose a living space and incidentals that you detail that are suitable to your personal needs your scavenge this particular heart zone and the moves you selected so we don't have to go through all of this right now but a The two things I would like to know is kind of a rough description of your living quarters. Um, We're going to go into more detail on the actual society you guys are in in a second. And then also, you may notice on your main page of your playbook, there is an option for your scavenge. I would also like to know what you choose for that. Um, So let's start with book. Okay, so my, um, my mental image of where I live is like this... Uh, kind of dank um, cave with like just really bare furnishings, like maybe um, a mattress or mattress pad on the ground, um, lots of blankets, like trying to insulate as much as possible. 
and I'm definitely collecting water from the ceiling. It's just constantly dripping from the ceiling, and I got one bucket <laughs> on the ground, and I'm constantly trying to move the bucket to catch as much water as I can, and I'm never quite getting enough. That's a very specific image. I, I like it. Yeah, it's very yeah. striking. You did say cave, so you like a bear? Uh, Are you like a bear who absolutely. lives in a cave? Is that without, a thing you do? Without a doubt. Okay. So, like, I will say, you you all certainly have the option to have some sort of housing. Um, it can be, like, it's not going to be I'm the penthouse of a beautiful suite, but you can have a shack. You can have a small building. You can have a room in an office building that's falling right, so apart. So, I think I, I definitely you like have... To, you would like to be I in a cave. I definitely have though. a door. Okay. But, okay. Um, now we're getting something. But we're not... Bears don't have doors. That's one of the things that I learned. Sorry, in I should have specified. I am a human. I just live like a bear. Okay, okay, human, but like a bear, but yeah, with so a door. So like maybe just like a long, okay. like a long, like a deep cave, not super deep, um, but like barely habitable. But I've got a door, and I'm protected. You know, I'm I'm, I'm not just hanging out. Okay. I think I think that that tracks. Um, so I think this that answer will tie into your choice for scavenge. If you look at your scavenge options, you have two choices. Pretty much every playbook has two choices. Um, not all of them, but pretty much. And one of them, usually you are kind of more wealthy and one of them you are living more bare bones. If you are elite power gamer trying to 360 no scope everyone, it may seem very silly that there's one option that's just straight up better. But the way this game works, one, you should never just choose the better option. It's going to all, the game will run better and be more fun um, if you choose the option that fits your character more and that you think is more interesting. Um, but also, when you have more stuff, you have more things that I can attack, more things that I can put my crosshairs on and try to take away from you. There are certainly downsides to having either. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly drawn, I, I'm conflicted on this one um, because one thing that I know about my character is that he like loves to collect stuff um specifically like as his name suggests books anything anything that's written um like he he wants to hoard information i don't think he's very materialistic but i know that he's trying to gather books and and, and written media and i think that I, I like the idea of him being able to outsmart and mani manipulate people to get that um, but I think that that might be that that might be a, a you know a different direction. So I, I think I, I am in gonna keep uh, gonna be in keeping with my dwelling in that I'm gonna have barter minus one. Um, but I do think that I, I I still like to collect stuff. I'm just not very good at it. And an important thing to note is that this is not permanent. Your barter will change with your situation. This is just kind of where you're starting out today when we cut to the fun, exciting action. So the one you are selecting is to you, only the truth has real value. You don't seek material power or comfort and are satisfied merely to survive. You have barter minus one. So that basically fits very well what you described. You have your little happy cave. You got the things that you do care about, which seems to be collecting books or written media. Uh, but what do you think you do to kind of survive? Do you sell some of the things you do scavenge? Or is your primary job a scavenger? Or is it providing services to people. Yeah, I think um I'd like to be that person in town that people don't go to unless they really need help. So we're we're um like not sort of a, a detective situation but but more of a problem solver. And I think that those services okay. are how I 
uh, trade, how I barter. So people people know you're smart. Absolutely, yeah. Is what you would say. Okay, people know you're smart. Do people like you? Obviously, this changes on a person-by-person basis. There will be lots of people who like you, and there will be lots of people who want you dead. But would you say, would Brady say people like Book? I think that people... I don't I don't think that people think about him very much. <laughs> oh, that's sad. That is way sadder and way better. <laughs> I like it. That's a good answer. Right. Like unless they unless they need me, I am not in their head. Right. Like I'm not like I'm not Bell. I'm not like running through the village saying hi to everybody. Um, you know, grabbing apples, reading books. I, I am <laughs> I am skulking around. Let's move over. To the person I would have been more expecting to be in a cave, which is yeah, now the ocean. It up. You're like crossing out maybe there. <laughs> write that down. Write that down. So uh, I kind of imagine living conditions. I, I think due to my services of like scounging around and bringing things back up that are useful for the the people. I think I don't have like a negative relationship with the people in this settlement that we stay i think i'm kind of viewed as having some use and so uh i don't think i'm like an outsider that's uh living in a cave or anything like that yeah that would be crazy um, i would quickly like to point out that you do not have an option for your starting barter yes i am i am, don't have a good name so i don't have a good name to trade on so i don't think my wares i get the good prices or anything like that i think i'm pretty much constantly living day to day and i'm getting nickel and dimed yeah so it and definitely jump in if i'm reading too much into anything i don't want to make any choices for your character but it seems like the things you do collect are not necessarily focused on what is important or useful to people no not at all no <laughs> they just collect things they think are neat so a lot of it is just like scrap and junk that's like kept outside yeah. in a pile but but some of that sometimes that may overlap. Like they may you may think it's neat and someone wants it. So that's a thing. So I bet the way you survive, you could have a very inconsistent income where yeah. every once in a while you find something real nice and yeah. you're okay. I'm not gonna have to hibernate in my cave this winter. Which goes with my own fortune's tide because it actually raises my barter from negative two to negative one. Oh, that's true. Life. Yeah. So, so I, I think that ties in very well, yeah, with your luck and the kind of the feeling you get for an item. You you find something, yep. you go, This speaks to me. And you're right. That is a rare item. That is something useful to someone else. I think it's also a really fun concept that like you might find something that to other people would be super valuable, but you sell it for a pittance because you don't see what people yeah, see. I have no room. use for it. I just pick it up and like, what the heck is this? Canned food? What's that even for? You can't eat a can. Um, so you live more more in society. It sounds like yeah, but I don't. I don't. I don't. I'm not like. I don't have any neighbors or anything, but I live close enough to trade and uh, I'm sure my little shack that I have, which I'm sure it's dingy and not really well put together. It's no cave that's dripping water, but uh, I have a spot that I can at least park my vehicle and do maintenance on it since most of the upgrades and stuff I've done myself. So, What's your uh, clothing look like? And that can include a option that is worth one armor or a piece of clothing or Pretty poor armor. Imagine them having to wear pretty protective gear, kind of like maybe um, like padded biker gear. 
not necessarily because uh, they think they're not, you know, they're going anywhere dangerous, but they got to do a lot of like scrounging through the caves and things fall in their vehicle that they got to be protected from. So yeah. And tetanus uh, is a big danger. Yeah. yeah. So heavy padded clothes, probably like a thick jacket, probably shoulder, uh, uh, elbow pads and knee pads. What's uh? I kind of had some like, I have mental images of you guys already, but uh, you, you a big dude. Am I a big dude? I feel like I have to be, I think I have to be tall at the very least. I think at the, uh, I have to be tall and stocky. That's how I was picturing you. But yeah. Yeah. A gentle giant. Yeah, I was definitely picturing a gentle giant <laughs> with a shovel. Yeah, shovel strength. And a death machine. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it doesn't kill people on purpose. <laughs> okay, I think have we hit everything on the character sheets except HX, the history? I think so. The only other thing that I, I wanted to add is I think my character... Um, as like the the keeper of knowledge, I feel like people go to him as like instead of Google, they're just like asking him shit. And I think it would also be <laughs> cool if people like if if I end up like if I'm low on cash, I'm like, yeah, I guess I'll 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 tutor your kid or whatever. Okay, let's deal with the HX moves, which are representing your history. So history is a very important stat. It ties with how you interact with the fellow characters and in our particular game, some of the important NPCs since there's only two of y'all, but basically how this normally works is you go around and ask each character a particular question that is listed at the bottom of your playbook. Let's start with book. Sure. Uh, I'm book McCready. I use he, him pronouns. Um, I'm, I'm kind of rangy. I think, and I'm, I'm wearing uh, sort of uh, a long coat and chunky boots. And my outlook uh, is that the surface world is fine and we shouldn't be down here. All right. My name is Ocean. I'm settling on he, him pronouns. The worst two, but. Because I think it's a, yeah, I think it's a good contrast between a name like Ocean. That's what I'm deciding. But uh, he is tall. Uh, pretty stocky, uh, wears kind of like a heavy jacket and uh, thick pants and boots, uh, kind of like a biking attire with uh, arm pads and uh, knee pads. Uh, I imagine their outlook is that there's something underground. There's something deep underneath us that we must find. I love it. I love it. Okay, let's do the history moves. Let's start with book. Okay, Ocean. Can I count on you to tell me the truth whenever I ask, no matter what I ask? I think so. I don't think Ocean has much to hide. Okay, that's interesting because no matter what, I was originally going to say no. No matter what. I was originally going to say no, I don't believe you. But... That answer kind of flipped me, and I think I'm saying I, I think I'm gonna say yes. I believe you. I don't think I have enough to lie about in my life. <laughs> you may learn that you were a good yeah, liar. Yeah, maybe or you do that will change as I grow and learn about my past. But at this point in time, I think Ocean doesn't have much to hide from people. So I have one question. Okay. And since there's only one other player, this question is directed at you, Book. 
which one of you have shared your own food with me? I guess you could theoretically answer you haven't shared your food. With no, me. I, I'd share some food with you, especially because I, tr- especially because I trust you. It's good that we decided that first, but yeah. I trust you, and I shared some yeah. of my Bush's baked beans in a can with you. Oh, it's, oh, it's my favorite. Primo. Oof, oof. Yeah. It's a big thing in this world to share food because it's like, it's scarce, right? It's not, and especially someone like Ocean, where they don't, you don't know their history. You don't know what they've done. You don't, they don't know what they've done. So I think it was probably a pretty touching moment when you got those baked beans. Not not a uh, Blazing Saddles moment. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like our characters kind of needed each other. Like you are the handyman guy. People come to you to do stuff, but or maybe maybe uh, some of those things. You know, you find a lot of stuff and you don't know what any of it is, and you're like, "Hey, man, what is this? What can I sell it for?" Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, "Hey, man, those are baked beans. We should split those fucking baked beans. <laughs> we should just eat those right now. <laughs> I will buy them off you and then eat them with you. <laughs> I like that being our con- our our catalyst event. Totally, that totally." Us- <laughs> become close together was literally me bringing something to you and you're like those are beans let's eat those right now Hell let's yeah. eat them new new thing ocean can't read i don't think ocean you can could read. have forgotten how to read yeah yeah forgot a lot i'm adding that writing it down ocean can't read Thank you so much for listening. I think since this is our setup episode, the best thing to plug would be Apocalypse World by Vincent and Meg Baker, and really any game made by them. They make some of the best RPGs. Next episode, we will be playing Dekuma to help build our setting and some more relationships between the characters and NPCs and fleshing out the rest of our setting. All the artwork and the logo is made by Brady McDonough, and all music and editing is by Stu Masterson. Thank you so much. Love you. Bye.